0: My name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastor elders here, and it's a joy to be with you guys this morning. Uh, It is a new year. I don't know about you guys. Was anybody? I don't know. I'm very grateful for 2023, but I am so glad it's over. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody else is in that boat, but I am. Uh, and I am expected and excited for what the Lord's got in store for us in 2024. And so it is so good to see you all. Um, these first two Sundays of the month, um, if you were here with us, last week we talked about how we're going to be actually starting the book of Acts in a couple weeks. And we'll be in there pretty much all of 2024. And so um, you can know that's where we're headed and we're excited to be there and to spend our time digging into kind of the birth of the church and how the Lord moved in the first century. Uh, And we are excited to go through that journey together. And so we are really looking forward to that time. But we thought it would be a neat opportunity for us to take these two weeks leading up to that to do a little bit of a pause uh, to kind of hit a little bit of the reset button to get our bearings straight. To get everything kind of lined up so that as we approach and as we engage with Acts this year uh, and engage with the Lord this year, that we can be set up for success. I don't know how you guys view the new year. I loved what Lauren said about resolutions. Some of you, how many of you are big? I feel like you're either a resolution person or you're not. Like, how many of you guys are resolution people? Just out of curiosity, no shame, no guilt. That's it? I don't, I believe there's more resolution people than that. Yeah. My brother-in-law, I was, I was playing cards with my brother-in-law this week, and he pulls out his phone, and he's like, I've got 17 resolutions. And I'm like, whoa, I am buried. Like, I'm just, <laughs> no thanks, I can't do that. Uh, but the new year always provides a little bit of an opportunity for a reset. I'm so grateful for seasons, because it does the same thing. Like, seasons start, seasons end, seasons begin. And most of us are a people who need regular resets. When we talk about a reset, we're not saying all of your life is a total mess and that you need to throw up and turn everything around. And maybe that could be. Some of us have had points in our lives where that was the case. Our lives might have been a total train wreck, maybe are a total train wreck, and we need a major reset and a major rehaul. Others of us might just need a little bit of retuning. And my, my hope no matter where you're at in the spectrum, is that this, these couple weeks that we're going to be working through would be a helpful reset to help encourage you, challenge you, and give you opportunity to actually look forward into 2024 with hope and expectation of growing as a follower of Jesus this year. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes we can find ourselves in rhythms or patterns in life, and some of them good and some of them not so good. And I'm just curious right up at the top, uh, well, I guess I'll share with you one of of my, it's kind of like a silly, dumb pattern that happens sometimes in my life, but I don't like it at all. And it normally is instigated when there's uh, a weather change coming our way. Um, I don't know how long you've been in Camarillo, but Camarines, even though we've got like one of the most boring weather uh, systems in the world, like we are really like, what's happening in the weather today? It's like, is it going to be 65 or 72? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But like we (laughs) we we get kind of obsessed with it, but especially if rain comes around, it's like, oh, I better check my rain. I better check my weather app. And, and all this is just a really dumb story of normally some patterns in my life get disrupted really easily and accidentally. And I f- would find myself, again, generally if rain was coming, where I would reach to, for my phone the very first thing in the morning, grab the weather app, and see, like, what's our percentage today? Well, at 10 a.m., it's 7%. But by 3 p.m., it's going to be 75, and 75% chance of rain. And whatever, that doesn't matter all that much but soon thereafter, all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I wonder if there's anything new in the news. And I click on my news app. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at these various headlines that have come through. Some of them are nebulous. Some of them are salacious. Some of them are, when I say salacious, not like dirty, just like whatever. Anyway, but before I know it, I've spent 30 minutes at the side of my bed. And the first moment of my day has just been given away. And in some ways, like my allegiance has already been divided or co-opted but what's funny is two days later the rain's gone and I wake up and I grab my phone again and all of a sudden before I know it I've had a week long of the first thing that I do when I wake up is reach over and I grab my phone and just check the weather and then slowly but surely then the news thankfully I don't have like Instagram or Facebook, and not that those things are bad, I just don't trust myself with them because they have this thing called a, you know, eternal scroll where you can just get lost for hours. And all of a sudden, again, my allegiance is divided. I don't know, do you guys find yourselves in places where sometimes you can accidentally have rhythms or patterns that get established in your life? Some of them may be very nebulous. Maybe some of them might be more challenging, Maybe it went from having a drink a couple times a week to all of a sudden you realize I have a drink every single night or I have multiple drinks every single night or or fill in the blank. All that I'm saying is that without much effort, we can cultivate and begin to cultivate patterns that are super unhealthy and unhelpful for us. And all of us, no matter where we are, we need opportunities to reset, to recalibrate. And so this morning and next week, We're going to try and do that. I rarely do this, uh, but I'm going to use an acronym, and it's going to be, if you haven't guessed it, it's going to be around the word reset. Uh, If you're a note taker, I'm going to let you off the hook for a second, and that's that just know I'm not going through all five letters today. So you might be like, dude, he's taking a lot of time on the first two letters. That's because that's all we're doing. Uh, We're doing R and E this morning. But my hope is that we'll be reminded this morning and through this series, who we are, who God is, kind of why we do what we do as followers of Jesus, and then we might be filled with hope and expectation for this upcoming year. We're going to be jumping kind of all over the scripture this morning, but we're gonna, we are going to spend kind of a, a bigger time in Ephesians. I was walking and praying with Dave Mitchell this week. Uh, and he encouraged me with uh, how Ephesians had been really challenging and encouraging him and as I was working through the message, I just felt like the Lord brought some uh, some cohesion in this in there so we'll kind of we'll be jumping in in Ephesians one and two in particular but with that I, I just I want to pray for us as we engage with our time this morning and with this upcoming year. God, we just come to you now as your sons and daughters. We humbly just present ourselves. We recognize that you are God, we are not. And all of us come with a year of non-perfection. But Lord, as we come to you this morning and this year, We ask, God, that you would meet us where we're at and that you would draw us forward. Like we learned last week, we want to desire you. We want to desire you above all else. That you would take the proper place in our heart and our life. We love you, Lord. We give you this time. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So you note takers out there, we start, as we look at resetting for 2024, we start with the word remember. We need to be a people who remember. We start with what we need to remember the most, and we need to remember who God is. Eric Goddard started with this last week, that he is glorious, that he's good, that he sent Jesus Like we celebrated just two weeks ago. By the way, does Christmas feel like it was like a month ago already? It feels like it was so long ago. (laughs) But I cannot tell you how quickly we lose sight of who God is. And so I'm going to ask you for a moment. When you think about the things that you need to remember about who God is or what he's done, what are some of those things that you're like, I I need to remember this? What are some things that you need to remember about who God is? He's faithful. Awesome. Awesome. He's for us. He's a good counselor. He's patient. I love that. It's up regularly for me. Yeah. <laughs> Is that just him? Not a boy. You guys ever shocked at how quickly we forget about who God is. Again, it's like one of those things that exists kind of like in the back of our brain, but it has a tendency to slide away from us quickly. Remembering that he's creator, that he's good, that he's in control or sovereign, that he's savior. Last week, Eric taught a message on the glory of God, and he shared his prayer that this year we might experience a life-changing experience of his glory. As he taught out of Exodus 33, that we would be blown away who God with, with who God actually is, that we would actually experience his presence. He shared from Exodus 33 about Moses and his desire to see God. And in fact, the completion kind of of that in Exodus 34 is where we see God actually reveal himself to Moses in the most quoted verse by the Bible. In the Bible, by the Bible, is Exodus 34, 6, 7. This is as Moses is seeking the presence of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping Steadfast love for thousands, for giving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is what God wants his people, wants Moses to know about him, that he's merciful, that he's gracious, that he's slow to anger and abounding in faithful love for thousands, that he forgives sin. But we'll not clear the guilty, which is why Jesus is so needed. And who the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the exact imprint, the very nature of Yahweh. We need to remember who God is. If we have a desire for a healthy reset, it starts with who God is is, and we're not the only ones who need to remember, there's a famous prayer that has been prayed for millennia that Israel and many Christians have practiced, and it comes out of Deuteronomy 6, and it's called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one, and as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This prayer gets the name the Shema because that's what it means to hear in Hebrew. This is a fascinating thing: that the prayer that Israel has prayed for millennia, and again, many Christians have joined. Uh, there's no reason why not to, and they would pray this in the morning and the evening. And it starts with "hear," "listen." Well, who's who's supposed to listen? Is God listening? Is the prayer listening? How, what is, what's happening here? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord, your God, he is one. You see, in Hebrew, the word listen and obey are actually, this, there's, no, there's only one word for those words, and it's the same. Listening and obeying in Hebrew are synonymous And so when they're praying this prayer, they're actually telling themselves, listen to this truth that God is God above all gods. It is a prayer of allegiance that's prayed in the morning and in the evening. That God, you are the only God. And we, with our mind and with our hands, will love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. We wanted to take more time. We could look at the rest of this prayer and see how they were told to have something imprinted on their forehead and on their hands. And that's because this thought that God is God, that he is the only God, that he is God above all gods, that he is the king of kings, that this is to... Impact everything that we look at and how we're to engage. And it's to impact because we see with our eyes and we do with our hands. And it's supposed to impact what we see, how we think, and it's supposed to impact how we live. Because listening and doing or being obedient are connected. And the, the doing from the Shema that's talked about is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. We must be a people who remember who God is. Who listen to him. We might get there a little bit later, but I just, I, I want to encourage you this. I think sometimes we look at these old prayers that are over millennia old, And we're like, oh, like that's no, of no value to me. But I want you to see this prayer of the Shema that's still prayed in the morning and evening. It's a prayer of allegiance Unto King Jesus, that they pray every day and every night. Why? Because they know that their hearts are prone to turn to their phone and check the weather. They know that they are prone to turn on X or Y or Z, or they are prone to move towards something else. But first and foremost, when they wake, they need to realign their hearts and declare, you are God with my eyes and with my hands today i want to love you with all my heart soul mind and strength we must remember who god is not only do we need to remember who god is as we reset we have to remember who i am as we reset we have to ask the zoolander question who am i (laughs) because we can forget this too Just like we can start these patterns and habits that cultivate different ways of life in us that we, most of the time, we don't even like, we can when we do those things, we start to say things that are untrue about who we actually are. And praise God that God's word tells us who we are. And so when you think about your identity and who you are in Jesus, I'm going to ask for your help again. What are some things that come to mind? Who are you? Who am I? If I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, who am I now? Who are you now? What is that? Who what are some of those things? Shout them out. You're a new creation. You're a son of God. You're forgiven. The head and not the tail. I'm sorry? Did I hear more? An heir. You're loved. Child of God, forgiven. Romans 8.4, or excuse me, 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, I am at peace with God. I love how Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it is. Is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Him. Sometimes it's important to ask not just who am I, but who was I? I was once dead in my trespass and sin. been made alive in Christ Jesus who am I in Jesus I am alive what else am I I am his workmanship I've been uniquely as the psalmist says I've been uniquely and wonderfully made you are not a mistake you are not an accident you have been uniquely and wonderfully crafted and God has incredible plans for your life I've been made alive because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for my sins and went to the cross on my behalf and bore my shame, my guilt, and my sin, and actually died the death I deserved. Three days later, rose from the grave, proving that he was victorious over sin and death. Because he now lives, I too am alive. That is good news. I am alive. This passage says that we were once dead and we followed another master. We once followed the prince of the power of the air. But who, as followers of Jesus, who do we... Well, I guess I just said it now. Who do we follow now? We follow Jesus, right? So, what it means to be a Christian. is to be a follower of Jesus. <laughs> and as we enter 2024, I want us to think about this. Maybe, And again, this is going to be redundant for a handful, a handful of you. But what were people who followed Jesus in the first century called? Little Christ's. Followers of the way, they were disciples. Disciples. Who are you? Who am I? If I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I am a follower of a Jesus, and followers of Jesus are disciples of Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus. And as we enter into 2024, I want you to remember, I want me to remember that I am a follower of Jesus, a disciple. In Matthew 4.19, when Jesus calls his disciples, he says, come, follow me, and I will make you, I will change you to be fishers of men. You cannot be a Christian and not a disciple of Jesus. It is not possible. It's not an option. The Greek word for a disciple is matheteus, matheteus, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, which means student, learner, or apprentice. I think apprentice sometimes, I don't like using the word apprentice because it, I like the word disciple, but disciple in our context is a little bit funny. Like if, if somebody was to say that you were a disciple of like, you know, your teacher, that would just be weird. Like that's it's just a weird term but most of us have a working framework of what it means to be an apprentice. And if you apprentice under someone, what are some of the things that you would do with that that person? Tell me. You'd spend a bunch of time with them. What else would you do? You'd copy them? What else would you do? You'd practice. Learn from them? Be a shadow? Do what they tell you to do? <laughs> Sometimes get frustrated with them. But you could only be frustrated with them because you spent spend enough time with them. <laughs> you'd act on their behalf. Eventually, what should happen if you apprentice under a good teacher? You become more like them. Yeah, you pass on their knowledge, you carry on in their footsteps. They would teach others. I think sometimes that we forget that who we are being disciples, that that some of these things are very true of of what our call, our responsibility is when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Jesus. Some of us think of a disciple of Jesus as like a special promotion to certain people in the church. When you read the gospels, we see that the disciples are a bunch of knuckleheads. They have faith and they have courage and we'll look at this in the weeks to come. But they don't have a complete picture of who Jesus is. They are willing to follow him. And they had a good framework of what it meant to apprentice under somebody. We live in such an individualistic culture that nobody is supposed to be like anybody else. We're all just supposed to be our unique person and our unique and truest self. And you are uniquely and wonderfully made and there is not another version of you which is very, very true. But each of us are made to be transformed into the image of Jesus. As we approach 2024, I want you, I want me to understand that I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm an apprentice of him. And apprentices spend time with their teacher. Apprentices are changed by their teacher. They listen to them. Like the Shema, they they don't just listen to remember, they listen to obey. And good apprentices under good teachers begin to do what their teacher did. So we must remember who God is. We must remember who I am and we must remember who we are. We are not a group of random people who just happen to go to the same church. We collectively are disciples, apprentices, learners of Jesus, living out our discipleship together in a specific time and place. Later in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 19, it says this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of of the household of God, the church, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ, Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Later in chapter three, verse 10, he says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Yes, we are individually followers of Jesus, but together we are the household or family of God being built together into the dwelling place of God by which his spirit grows us and where God himself becomes more visible to one another and to the outside world. Paul in Romans 12 talks about the church as a body. In verses four and five, for as in one body, the church, we have many members and the members do not all have the same functions. So though we are many, we are one body and individually members of it. When we come to know Jesus, it's not just me and Jesus I'm saved out, saved out of darkness and into the kingdom of the beloved son, into a family of God, the body of Christ, where we are individually members of one another, where we are connected together. 1 Peter 2, 4-5 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. This house, this church, who we are, it's growing, and we are an integral part of that. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 12, 14, and Romans 12, how each member plays a role in how we are to come together and gather together and actually contribute to one another. You guys might notice that sometimes I ask you questions or sometimes we pray for one another. That's because the church isn't a place where you come and watch. It's a place where you come, belong, participate, and you bring your gifts to the table. The church is not a stagnant place, but a place of vibrancy and growth, which we are called to be a part of. Hebrews 10 24-25 reminds us let us consider how to gather or how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends who we are we are disciples that exist in the household of God the church and we are people who need to meet together regularly to stir and provoke one another Toward greater faith and greater action. We are disciples of Jesus who regularly, consistently meet together. As we reset, and I know this is a silly thing, but sometimes these are some of the things that can wander away from us. We can forget who God is. We can forget who I am. And we can forget who we are that we are a church in which God is building. And as has been shared a couple times, we are a church that exists to glorify God and to bless the city of Camarillo. What it says in Ephesians 2 is that actually the church is God's, and Ephesians 3 is the manifold wisdom of God. It's revealed through the church. God becomes visible when we gather together. Some of you might realize that sometimes when you enter this place, when we come and gather, there's a peace, or maybe there's a presence, or maybe there's an experience that takes place. That's because disciples of Jesus who gather under the banner of Christ, we come together and declare our lordship to him, and his spirit dwells in us, and his spirit is actually, as it says in Ephesians 2, it's being grown in this place, a dwelling place for God. And your presence, my presence, it matters because we are each individual members of this church, of this body. But sometimes we can get out of routine. We can get out of practice. We can get out of habit. And we forget who we are. And it normally goes this way. Normally we start to forget who we are collectively, what we're doing as a church and that God is building something here and that he's using us for his glory in this place in which we live. Then we begin to forget who I am and then we forget, start to forget who God is. It's not always like a landslide, but oftentimes it's a chipping away slowly but surely. So we've got to be a people who remember who he is, who I am, who we are. And since remembering and listening are connected to action, as we reset this year and remember who God is and who we are, we also need to be a people who engage, which is our E. As we reset, we need to remember that living as disciples, apprentices of Jesus will require me to engage with Jesus. Remember, apprentices, they spend time with their teacher, their rabbi. They're transformed They're changed to be more like their rabbi, and they begin to do what they do. Some terminology that we've used here that is helpful as we look at what it looks like to be a healthy church and healthy followers of Jesus, we need to be a people who engage up in our worship and adoration of God. We need to be a people who engage inward in our own transformation, joining God in the work that he wants to do in us and also living out the one another's in scripture as we take care of one another, as Jesus makes clear in his gospel that they will know that you are my disciples by their love for one another. And then we engage outward. As we help bless the city, neighbors, family that live in our area. Now each of these components, the up, the in, and the out, they all have a solo or component to them and they have a communal aspect to them so when we talk about engaging upward there's going to be a solo piece to this meaning you do this on your own you do this potentially in private and since we're followers of king jesus since we are his disciples that means that we're going to spend time engaging with him seeking him like eric taught last week or Jesus himself spoke in Matthew 6.33 to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. But as people who say, yes, I am a disciple of Jesus, we will pursue and seek time upward with him. And so what does that look like? Jesus regularly spent time stepping away from the crowds and going to quiet places to pray. Made ti- sure to spend time with the Father where he both made requests and listened, like in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just in case you're wondering, this engage section is, is in the practical side of our message. These are ta- we're talking about things that as we look to reset, areas for us to press in, Say, okay, if I am a disciple of Jesus, if I'm remembering who God is, who I am, who we are, these things need to be, have some sort of root in our lives. And again, they can be crafted a little bit towards you, but we need to be a people who engage upward with God in prayer. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew 6. And if prayer is something that you struggle in, Praise God that there are prayers all throughout scripture that you can just use. You don't have to be super creative if you don't want to. You can pray the Lord's Prayer. You can engage in praying the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Or open to the 150 Psalms. But if we're to engage upward in a solo space, we need to be a people who engage with God in prayer. Again, apprentices, disciples, spend time with their teacher. Spending time in prayer, I think, is something that's very difficult for us right now. Because we are so distracted, we are moving so fast-paced, we quickly grab and check our weather or whatever it is that you like to check. That actually stopping to pray is difficult sometimes confusing even. How else do we need to engage upward in a solo space? We need to engage with God in his word. As learners of Jesus, we want to learn from him in the gospels and all throughout scripture. Are we actually listening to him in his word? Are we engaging upward in adoration in worship of him? And I know it's silly. Yes, I did just say, what do we need to do? We need to pray and we need to read our Bible. (laughs) But not like check marks. I'm talking about engaging with the living God. if we fall out of rhythm and practice it can become so difficult. (laughs) And like we mentioned with the Shema, listening and acting are connected. When we talk about listening to the word it also is connected with being a, a people who are willing to respond. Or like Jesus says in Matthew 7 who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man built his house on a rock then we need to engage upward together so that's what we do often what we do on sundays we come and we worship jesus we exalt his name we talk about how his name is worthy above every other name we come and we exalt god with our lives we come and we go upward with him as we teach the word and and we lift our eyes to see his beauty and his glory We do it alone and we do it together, but with these need to be things that are repeated in our lives. They need to have place that they can happen over and over again. We listen to him as we engage with his word and we sit under teaching. We also engage upward as we gather together in our community groups to encourage and stir one another toward faith and good deeds. We need to keep moving here. So we engage upward by ourselves, solo, and we engage upward together. We engage inward by ourselves, and we engage inward together. So when I talk about engaging inward by ourselves, we ask God to transform us from the inside out. As we listen to God and his word, we respond appropriately and ask the Holy Spirit to help shape us more and more into the image of Jesus, like we're told in Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That in our solo time of engaging with God, we're actually not, this is where it's not just about me reading scripture, it's about me engaging with God in his word. It's about me letting God speak in and over my life. And where we join the psalmist of Psalm 139 to search our hearts and see if there be any wicked way in us and lead us in the everlasting way. When we engage inward on our own, we're asking Jesus to transform us from the inside out that we might become more and more like him. The other way we engage inward by ourselves is we pray for others that they would be transformed. Paul does this so well, even in Ephesians 1. Because he heard of their faith and their love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. This is transformation having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seating at him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. Jesus is our Paul is praying for transformation. He's praying for inward transformation for others. We can join. So we engage inward solo and then we engage inward together. We gather on Sunday mornings to care for one another. That's why we have family time to actually get to talk with one another, give value to one another, love one another. This is where we take communion together. Like we read in Ephesians 2 where we're being built together into the dwelling place for the Lord. I want to encourage you as we gather on Sundays, come ready to engage. Come ready to be built up. And we also engage inward as we gather in our community groups to live out the 59 one another's scripture together. And finally, we engage outward alone and we engage outward together. God has uniquely placed you in certain relationships in a certain family a certain town in a certain neighborhood where you shop at a certain supermarket 1 Peter 3 reminds us to be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have in Jesus are we ready to share are we ready to share the reason for the hope that we have are we ready to share why Jesus is the greatest gift of all are we ready to share the good news And are you in relationship with people who actually don't know Jesus? And are you in relationship with people who actually know that you do know Jesus? Who will ask you? But as we reset, we've got to think about who has God placed me around and I am called to engage outward to help show them, care for them, bless them, share the gospel with them. But we do it alone in the spheres of influence that God has placed us and we do it together as a church as we look to bless the city in which we live scripture talks about seeking the welfare of your city and in doing so and you'll find your own so we meet here at the boys and girls club and we bless the boys and girls club we've done ministry to the CHP officers of Ventura County or uh, doing Christmas shop or Operation Christmas Child, number of ways in which we, we move outward together because we are disciples of Jesus who want to spend time with him, who want to be changed by him, and who want to do the things that Jesus did. So as we pause right here in the middle of our reset series, I want you to start looking at 2024. Give the option, opportunity to hit the reset button. And there are some action steps that you can take right here and right now to begin the process of resetting. But the first question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to follow Jesus? And I want you to answer that question first. The disciples of Jesus, those who began to follow Jesus, they didn't have all of the answers when they begun their journey of following Jesus. It's so funny, even the, a lot of times I mess with people, I'm like, hey, so when did the disciples, like, when were they saved? Like, you, there's not really a, you don't see a conversion moment necessarily. You have moments where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, but you don't have them for the other disciples. Like, it's, it's rather ambiguous, But they journeyed with Jesus for years. There was something about Jesus that they said, I don't understand it all, but I want to follow you. So the question is, do you want to follow him? And we'll talk more about what this means next week. What that means is you desire to be someone who learns from Jesus, who will spend time with him, who want to be changed by him, and who want to begin to do the things that Jesus did. But an action piece for you that I, I want to challenge you with to, to think about, pray about, and begin to put into practice this week is find a 30-second prayer, whether it's the Shema or the Lord's Prayer, something that you can do from the moment your eyes like pop open on the pillow within 30 seconds that align your heart and your hands with the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord. I talk to parents and people all the time that, it, that sometimes it can go weeks, days, or a half a day or whatever before they even have the moment to think about praying because they're like, my life is so crazy and busy. It is, I understand. I've got five kids right now. Things are wild. There's not a lot of space. But friends, whatever your station in life is right now, you have 30 seconds when you open your eyes to remind yourself the Lord, our God, is our Lord. Holy Spirit, help me. Love you with all that I got today. And whatever it is that you've got, that's okay. Find a way to start your morning engaging with God in a sub-30 second prayer that you can repeat over and over and over again. To help remind you. The second one Is The next one is commit to a reading plan. Friends, I I have talked to people so much, and I understand there's a lot of you who are like, I hate reading plans, they do this and that. Look, I've been doing a reading plan for over six years. I've never engaged with God's word more in my life. I don't always love, I'm not always like super excited, like Chronicles, awesome. Still Leviticus, how long are we in Job? But I'll tell you what, I do this because I believe that God's word is his word to us. That it is the bread of life. And that I don't trust myself on my own. I wish I was way more self-controlled. That, uh, that I would be faithful in engaging with God's word just by using my own unique creative thoughts. I'm not that smart. I'm not that gifted. I need help. And so tools are super helpful. And so I encourage you to grab hold of a reading plan. If you've got one that you're already doing, that's fan, I'll invite you to do one that I'm doing. It's called Seeing Jesus Together. It comes with a journal and it helps us engage in so much of what we've talked about this morning, to be disciples who are actually engaged with God's word, who are engaged in living and growing as disciples of Jesus. If you want to, you can grab this. It's also available on our website. There's the reading plan that you can do the reading. But I highly, highly, highly encourage you, don't just do a reading plan. It's not about reading God's word. It's about engaging with God. And his word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a gift to us. And so you may not be a big time Bible reading plan person, but if you Are a follower of Jesus, you are saying, I want to listen to his words. He speaks in his word, friends. It will radically impact our lives. So find a prayer that you can pray every morning. Commit to a Bible reading plan. And the final thing is commit to gathering weekly on Sundays and in a community group. I know these are hyper-practical, but we need some of these things as we hit the reset. Make them a priority. Because we want to be a people who remember who God is, remember who I am, remember who we are. For those things to happen on a regular basis, we need to develop and cultivate some of these practices. Worship team, come up.